welcome to the Tales of Osteopathy Students with me, Chelsea, and my good friend, V. How you doing, V? Hello, my dude. I'm all right. Hello. I'm all right. We're yeah. ready for autumn here, aren't we? So ready. 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 <laughs> so ready. <laughs> I could, the, the weather's kind of, it's like, oh, it's sunny, now it's raining. It's sunny, yeah. now it's raining. So it's just like, hmm. I saw a conker Coming. on the floor the other day, but still in its <gasps> spiky little shell. Oh, you know when they start dropping, you're like, I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah. 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 It is time. It is time. Yeah. And Evie always time. looks at me whenever there's like anything on the floor and she's like, you may pick me up now. <laughs> she doesn't like walking over like leaves, anything crunchy, anything like that. Well, conkers I get because... They are very spiky. But yeah, fair, fair. She's like, come, fair. come now, make me up, human. <laughs> human, please, carry me. Yeah, so exciting because the view from mm. my bedroom is like over the forest mm. that I run in um, and occasionally mm. take Evie for walkies in and it, you can see like all of the trees changing colour and I'm like, oh my gosh. Love that. Oh, I love it. There's um this really cool wall that like if you go down this like little hill towards the shop and it's like like loads of ivy and stuff all over and it mm. just slowly starts to change to that like really it's that really deep deep red color mm. and it's just like some of it's still green at the moment but it's going I'm like oh I'm just gonna walk past you every day to see the progress it's nearly hocus pocus time <laughs> very excited yeah I love October it's my favorite I think it is the yeah. best month me too. So close, so close. Apart from, it's, you know, there's a big day happening tomorrow, right, V? It's a big day. Rubbish bin day. Put that out to the curb. Rubbish bin day. <laughs> it's your birthday. It is my birthday too. Woo! <laughs> I love other people's birthdays. Big fan. Love it. But my birthday is like, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> It's not because I'm like, I don't want to get old or whatever. It's just meh. <laughs> I much prefer celebrating other people. Fair enough, fair enough. I know what you mean. There's no pressure mm. really when it's other people's birthday. Yeah, no pressure. Mm. I think it's because I find it horrifying being sung happy birthday to in public places. Or mm -hmm. if you're like me and you have friends who are like, it's her birthday, can she have a free drink? I'm like, no! Oh, God, no. Please. Nobody yeah. give me anything for free. Nobody draw any attention to me whatsoever. Oh, yeah, I'm like, anyone comes near me with a shot, I'm like, get it away from me. <laughs> like, no, thank you. This is a tiny Guinness. <laughs> then I'll be really happy. What are you drinking and eating? An array of things. Array. Uh, I've just had some, I've obviously smashed a lem sip because it's still a bit ill. <laughs> a bit. Of course. Um, and also had Tulsi tea, mm. Pucker Tulsi clarity tea, which is very nice. Ooh. And I got some, got some chocolate buttons I'm munching on today. Yeah, chocolate buttons are the one. Treat, treat, treats. But I don't know about you, but I always put the chocolate buttons like and make a little tower of them and then... Ooh, I like that. <laughs> I, I gave for. I love the. No, I love that idea. I'm gonna try it. I normally just go for a little one and just kind of like let it melt in my mouth and just mm. like completely yeah, dissolve into nothing. Wow, you have so much self control to let it melt completely. I mean, sometimes I do just fucking destroy it. Right? <laughs> I just <I'm> gonna lie. <laughs> yeah. 
No worries. How about you? What you got on the goes? Um, I have been drinking a large vat of berry smoothie, which I add like an old chunk of ginger that I found in the fridge. Added that in, added some mm. spinach in, added some courgette. It's all going on in there. It's all going on. All the good vibes. Yeah. What are you telling me about today? So we are continuing with the endocrine system. And I was like, Chelsea, I really want to do the HPA axis and the stress response this week because I feel like we've, we've spoke about stress quite a lot on the podcast already. Yeah, because it's ever so prevalent in our lives. <laughs> I mean, we're quite familiar with it. Quite, quite familiar with it. Mm. So Very closely acquainted. Mm. It's impossible to remove all stress from your life as well. You have to have a little yeah. bit to sort of like get you going in things and all of that sort of stuff. Um, mm. So some stress... Like stress response is important. It's, it's like hugely important. It's one of the important. reasons why we're alive. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's very mm. clever situation. <laughs> um, so mm. some stress, the helpful stress, is actually got a name. It's called stress, EU stress. Um, and it stress. helps us to prepare for certain challenges. And the other stress, the harmful stress, is called distress. Which I didn't know before, and now I do. I didn't know that either. No. Good to know. It is, isn't it? Yeah. So, now, any stimulus that produces a stress response is called a stressor. And most of the time, we think of stress as, like, an emotional, like, a strong emotional reaction. But it can mm. also be any disturbance in the body, whether that is heat or cold, environmental poisons, toxins given off by bacteria heavy bleeding from a wound or surgery, that sort of stuff. Mm. And everyone experiences stress differently, but our bodies have a very clever and natural homeostatic mechanism to counteract stress, which, when functioning mm. effectively, helps our internal environment remain within normal physiological limits. However, if stress is extreme, unusual or long lasting, those normal mechanisms may not be enough for our body to handle it. So, mm. little history for you. In 1936, Hans Selle, a pioneer in stress research, research showed <laughs> that a variety of stresses provoke a similar sequence of bodily changes. And these changes are what mm. we now call the stress response or general adaption syndrome, aka G-A-S, gas, which I did think was amusing. Everybody got gas. <laughs> <laughs> these are all mainly controlled by the hypothalamus, which if you listened last week or the week before, both, um, Chelsea explained in episode eight. That's the one, hypothalamus. Yes. Now, we have yes. three stages in this stress response. The first is mm. the initial fight or flight response, which we're familiar with mm. and we've spoken about a little bit before on the podcast. The second is a slower resistance reaction, and this is the HPA axis, which I will talk about in a minute. And eventually mm. there is the third stage, which is exhaustion, which I think we have all experienced, haven't we? Yeah, I think uh was very much in a state of exhaustion the last few weeks. I think so. I think so. <laughs> yeah, our body's very clever at letting us know when Yeah. you need to take a break. Yeah. Mm, so indeed. I've thought of an example for us to sort of go through the stress response in a situational basis so that mm. it, it 
it's easier to understand. So imagine you hear a screech of car wheels and see an oncoming car driving dangerously. So our eyes and mm. our ears relay this information that we're seeing um, and hearing to the amygdala, which is an area of the brain that contributes to emotional processing. And the amygdala mm -hmm. interprets the images and the sounds, perceives this as dangerous, and instantly sends a distress signal to the hypothalamus, the command center that communicates with the rest of the body through the autonomic nervous system, which controls involuntary move body movements. And stage one mm. begins. And this is the fight or flight response. And it's initiated by mm. the nerve impulse from the hypothalamus, to the sympathetic division of the autonomic nervous system, which we've done an episode on before, including mm -hmm. sending signals to the medulla of the adrenals, which Chelsea also yes. um, explained last episode. Um, so this nerve impulse activates the body's resources for immediate physical activity to deal with the stressor then and there, to jump into action. And these glands respond by pumping the hormone epinephrine, also known as adrenaline, into the body via the bloodstream. Epinephrine um, circulates through the body and it brings on a number of physiological changes. So your heart beats faster than normal, pushing blood to the muscles, heart and other vital organs. And this means that your pulse rate and your blood pressure go up. Then the person undergoing these changes also starts to breathe more rapidly. So the bronchioles in your lungs dilate to take in as much oxygen to send extra to the brain to increase your alertness. And then sight, hearing and other senses become sharper so that we're able to deal better with the stressor. And meanwhile, mm. all of this is happening. Epinephrine also triggers the release of blood sugar, so glucose, and fats from temporary storage in the body. And these nutrients flood into the bloodstream, supplying energy to all the parts of the body so that we can handle this stress. During this fight or flight response, non-essential body functions such as your digestive, urinary and reproductive activities are inhibited. And if you think about it, this makes a lot of sense. So the next time that you have a stress visit to the toilet, you can think about mm. it in that way. Yeah, so your body's like, I've got to run, so I need to empty all this extra weight I'm carrying. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's like stress squits don't happen just out of no reason. Um, <laughs> so all of these changes happen so quickly that sometimes people aren't even aware that they're happening. In fact, the wiring is so efficient that the amygdala and hypothalamus start this cascade even before the brain's visual centers have had a chance to fully process what is happening. And that's why people are able right. to jump out the path of an oncoming car even before they start thinking about it. That is interesting that, because I always think about cars and stuff. Mm. You, you know, it's that, that sound, it's like an instant reaction, isn't it? To like, oh, yeah. get into safety, which is why I think like electric cars sometimes are scary because like, I didn't hear it. <laughs> yeah, well, when yeah. I'm walking Evie around like the country lanes and there's an electric car, I really mm. like electric cars, but you can't hear them. Yeah, yeah. So you can't get out of the way no. soon enough. And they're really high hedges. So you have to like throw yourself mm. into the bushes because you can't see them or hear them coming and they can't see you. Yeah. Quite scary. Yeah. So Crazy. we move on to stage two. As the initial surge of epinephrine subsides, the hypothalamus activates the second stage of the stress response system, 
This resistant reaction is known as the HPA axis, and this stands for hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, which is quite a lengthy mm. little name, isn't it? Mm. So unlike the flight or fight response, which is initiated by nerve impulses from the hypothalamus, and it's normally short-lived, this uh, resistance reaction is initiated in large part by the hypothalamus releasing hormones and is a longer lasting response to deal with stresses after the initial reaction. And this is what the endocrine system does best. A foreword to this section. Remember that when a hormone has the suffix tropin or tropic in the name, it indicates that the, it has a stimulating effect of the substance on an organ to produce even more hormones. The HBA axis begins with the hypothalamus secreting a hormone called corticotropin-releasing hormone, which further stimulates the anterior pituitary gland to secrete adrenocorticotropic hormone, which travels down the blood in the blood to the adrenal glands, which we can remember are the hats of the kidneys, and stimulates the release of cortisol, a glucocorticoid from the adrenal cortex, so the outside of the adrenal glands. So glucocorticoids under normal circumstances, i.e. in part of your stress response, will feed back and tell your hypothalamus, okay, we have enough now, uh, we can stop this whole feedback cycle, and this is a negative feedback cycle. But remember that the stress response can actually come into effect um, the hypothalamus and or the pituitary gland and override this negative feedback loop and tell the hypothalamus or the anterior pituitary gland to increase the production of cortisol, even though the baseline has been achieved. And this is when the issues start mm. brewing. So cortisol is really important as it stimulates, big word coming up, um, gluconeogenesis by the liver cells. And this is the breakdown of triglycerides into fatty acids and the breakdown uh -huh. of proteins into amino acids. And this is so uh -huh. the tissues throughout the body can use the resulting glucose, fatty acids, and amino acids to produce ATP. Boop, boop. Or, oh! <laughs> which we know is very, very important. And it can also repair damaged cells. So it can also reduce inflammation, which is very important when we're thinking about it pathophysiologically. Um, so that's sort of the, the main basis of the HP axis, but there's also some other really important hormones that get released, which have a really vital role to play. Cool. So cool, a cool, second cool. hypothalamic um, releasing hormone called growth hormone releasing hormone, shockingly I know, mm. causes the anterior pituitary to secrete human growth hormone, it says it in the name. Um, and in turn... Who would have thunk it? I know. Wait, are you telling me something in anatomy has been <laughs> named appropriately? <laughs> it's an odd one, isn't it? Can't believe it. <laughs> How weird. Um, so in turn, this acts via insulin, like a growth factor's human growth hormone, stimulates a similar set of breakdown processes resulting in the production of glucose in the liver. Um, and third hypothalamic releasing hormone, which is called thyrotropin releasing hormone, stimulates the anterior pituitary to secrete thyroid stimulating hormone. Simple enough, mm. isn't it? 
Um, so TSH, so thyroid stimulating hormone, promotes secretion of thyroid hormones, which stimulate the increased use of glucose for ATP production. So there's hormones that produce glucose and there's hormones that get produced so that they can use those glucose. So the resistance stage helps the body continue fighting a stressor long after the fight or flight response slows. This is why your heart can race for a long time after the stressor has been removed from the situation. Yeah. And usually it helps us through a stressful episode and our bodies then return to normal. But what happens mm. if our bodies don't return to normal? So <sighs> dun, dun, dun. if the resistance um, stage fails to combat the stressor, then body then moves into third stage of the response, stress response. Um, and that mm. is exhaustion. So this is when the resources the body produces to get you through those initial stages of stress become so depleted that they cannot sustain the resistance stage. Mm. Prolonged exposure to high levels of cortisol and some of those other hormones involved in the stress response can cause some very serious health issues that I thought we would talk about because it's very important for us as future osteopaths to know the consequences mm. of chronic stress. Some of these stress-related disorders include gastritis, ulcerative colitis, mm. irritable bowel syndrome, hypertension, mm. asthma, mm. rheumatoid arthritis, migraines, and mental mm. health conditions. So mm. a plethora of areas that as healthcare professionals and healthcare um, students, you're going to see a mm. lot of people coming in with these issues. So it's important to know about these yeah. sorts of things. And yeah, there's still sure. so much research necessary for us to understand the exact role stress plays in disease mm. and immunity. But what we do know, mm. interleukin-1, a substance secreted by macrophages of the immune system, is a hugely important link between stress and immunity. One action of interleukin-1 is to stimulate secretion of adrenocorticotropic hormone, which in turn stimulates the production of cortisol, which we just spoke about. Mm. So not only does cortisol provide resistance to stress and inflammation, but it also suppresses further production of interleukin-1. Thus, the immune system turns on the stress response and the resulting cortisol then turns off one immune system mediator. And this negative feedback system keeps the immune response in check once it has accomplished its goal. So because of this activity, cortisol and other glucocorticoids are used as immunosuppressant drugs, which will be very important when we do our pharmacology I side see. of this. Mm. Um, mm. And cool. they're used for as immunosuppressive drugs and anti-inflammatory um, drugs for conditions such as asthma, COPD and rheumatological diseases. So as mm. future osteopaths, we need to be aware of the side effects of um, these drugs and their long-term use, which can include osteoporosis, easy bruising, mm. muscle weakness, mm. fatigue, mm. and other side effects include things like weight gain, swelling, high blood sugar, increased risk of infection, and um, mm. mental health issues as well. So these are all really important mm. factors when we're taking, I'm thinking about when we're taking these case histories, 
and we're writing down mm. which medications they're on, this is the sort of thing that's like it'll flag up for you. So it sounds like I'm giving cortisol a bad rep, but we do need it for our day-to-day -day function as it follows a circadian rhythm. So the levels are highest mm. right before we wake up and they peak just about 40, 30, 40 minutes later and slowly decline throughout mm. the day and are at their lowest at bedtime or right after we fall asleep. And this is a typical pattern. Mm. But mm. what happens when there's continual exposure to stress um, and it becomes mm. chronic stress? High levels of cortisol can be really problematic, as we just spoke about with mm -hmm. the conditions that we need to be aware of. Some of these impact those conditions and the high levels of cortisol can result in things like alter perception and emotion in the central nervous system. Mm. They can suppress um, reproductive function, so chronic stress. Think about athletes whose menstrual cycles stop or their fertility can be impaired and that can be due to yeah. really long-term stress or really long-term high-intensity training, stressing on their mm. body. Um, it can also suppress growth hormone which we spoke about earlier. Mm. It can suppress thyroid stimulating hormone and inhibit the activation of T4 into T3, which influence metabolic rate and protein synthesis. It can also mm. increase insulin resistance, which is why some people can lose weight due to stress, due to the cortisol, because it affects adipose tissue. But lots of people actually end up gaining weight. And this is in part related to the increased insulin resistance yeah. and it can also inhibit bone remodeling putting people at yeah. higher risk of osteoporosis because mm. it decreases the osteoblasts which are the building workers and increases the osteoclasts uh -oh. so there's a lot of things that can physiologically go very awry due to chronic stress Indeed. due to overloading from cortisol and all these sorts of things so very important to know clinically mm. and just in life as well. Yeah, indeed. Quit your stressful jobs. It feels great. Yeah. I know so many people who've quit their jobs like in the last two weeks. Yeah. It's actually crazy. I think it's uh, definitely like a phase with us younger humans of we're like, I'm not putting up with this shit anymore. I'm not mm. going to do this for, you know, a whole life. Like all the Gen X, sort of our parents' generation that have just been like, got a job and just worked at it and just hated everything. Yeah, yeah, were miserable mm. for like 30 years of their life. No, thank you. Yeah, nice one, dude. Thanks. Mm. I find it really, really interesting. I think in future, mm. maybe we'll do an episode about post-traumatic stress disorder, which of course mm. um, I'm very passionate about because I have it. And it's very interesting, the pathophysiological side of PTSD, um, obviously related mm. to stress. And I think it's very important just to, if you get anything from this, is that um, stress really affects people very differently. And from the research that I've been reading about is lots of people respond to stress really differently because different people are able to deal with stress in different ways because of things like mm. um, what the, their experience as a baby, as a fetus, in their mother's uterus was. Like, the, it actually starts from oh. that young, 
the type of experiences you uh-huh. have and the environment that yeah. you have as a fetus yeah. can like set you up for how you are able to deal with stresses. That's very interesting. Yeah. So if you would like to hear an episode dedicated to things like that, going slightly more mm. in depth with why that sort of stuff happens and into post-traumatic stress disorder, mm. please let me know. One vote from me, please. Woo-woo. Yeah, you can email us at podcast at gmail.com or um, if you'd like to follow us on a more day-to-day basis, see what we're getting up to, we've mm. got all the social medias, which you can follow us at podcast, and we would love to hear from you. Indeed. And thanks, everyone. Uh, everyone's really listening to our episodes at the moment. Mm. Everyone's real listening to them. So thank you so much, everyone. Glad Hello. you're enjoying it. Um, like we said, get in touch. Tell us all your things, what yeah. you want. And mm. we're here for you. Yeah. And if you've made it this far and I've made any mistakes, please let me know. Because we are students, we're <laughs> yeah. learning. So we're bound mm. to get something yes. wrong sometime. Mm. I'm sure we're going to go back and listen to all these at one point in the future and be like, dear Lord. I know. What are you putting <laughs> are out into about? the world? Misinformation. Yeah. yeah. So Indeed. if there is anything that you think we would find interesting as well in terms of mm. anatomy or conditions or diseases or your own experience as a healthcare professional, we would really like to know. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Tell us all the things. All the things. Thanks so much, everyone. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.